Live from Nashville, Tennessee, it's Dawn and Steve in the morning. Good morning from Moody Radio. Do you get excited about orthodoxy? What about find it thrilling? Does it give you a sense of adventure? Well, this hour, we have someone who hopes to change your attitude toward, towards orthodoxy and perhaps some things we might need to rediscover. Well, I think we are going to need to rediscover that because when I hear the word orthodoxy, that's like the thrill of algebra yeah. or the thrill of, I don't you know. You don't start jumping up and down? I don't no, understand. When I hear the word, no, because at least for me, there's this kind of somewhat negative connotation to it. Uh-huh. But I know that if we really understand what orthodoxy is, then there is something truly thrilling about that. So we're going to unpack that a little bit later this hour. The default should not be throw my head back and right. snore. No, it should not be. No? No, no, no. So you got to stick with us. But Okay, I promise you, I'll stick with you. <laughs> what will help you not snore yes. would be a little caffeine, but you can't do that today. No. You can't even celebrate National Hot Chocolate Day, I which is today. I think that it would be more the sugar content in that that I can't do the the caffeine because okay we're on this thing right yep this 10-day challenge this 10-day challenge what is the thing for those who don't know we are doing this 10-day challenge between our two families we have another friend that's joined us so there are five of us that are tracking down this path no gluten no dairy no sugar processed foods no no alcohol, no caffeine. Oh, alcohol, caffeine. Thank you. I always get yeah. stuck on the last two because I'm like, okay, okay, that's no problem. But the caffeine thing, we told your wife, who this was Susie's idea, we said, Susie, we're totally there. But, Except for the caffeine. Yeah. And she understood because so, she knows. And we both said we will cut back on caffeine. Which I have. And I have too. I have cut off an entire pot of coffee a day. So I'm sorry, but that makes me laugh every time. <laughs> so, that just tells you as much caffeine as I'm still consuming. I have mm-hmm. eliminated a pot of coffee a day, so I'm considering that a win. Applause! applause. You should. That is a win. Okay. So applause. We give you great applause when you look at National Hot Chocolate Day, which is this 31st of January. It, it's totally good, but you could see where it's like the caffeine fine because I'm cutting back, not getting rid of it completely. But the sugar. That is in hot chocolate. Now, I think I told you that Ben, well, I had some, they call the brand is Lancato, L-A-N-K-A-N-T-O. Maybe it's Lancato, but it's a monk fruit, a, a brand that okay. puts monk fruit sweetener out there. And there's a drinking chocolate. And I had some in the pantry and Ben's like, hey, this stuff is really good for my sweet tooth. It kind of satisfies that, and it's not sugar. It's monk fruit. It's a natural, a natural sugar. Thing? Okay. Yes. Um, with no calories, low glycemic index, all that stuff. So he's been kind of hitting his sweet, to- sweet tooth with that, and you can drink it warm or cold. I can't, like, think about cold chocolate, but anyway, that's how I would answer National Hot Chocolate Day if I were going to do so. All right. The rest of the 10-day thing, how you doing with that? Yeah, day nine. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. Oh, good. Yeah. Nope, yeah. No, no problems. Uh, matter of fact, one of the things that Susie was telling us is that it should bring more energy to you as you get rid of the toxins in your body. This is day nine. I is don't, it true yet? Well, I don't know, but what it may be kicking in today. I okay. hope so. I'm not sure quite what is giving me energy today because by all account purposes on paper, that should not be. 
But I do have some extra energy today. I'm going to hope that this is trending in the right direction. I think yesterday was the day that I finally kind of got over the caffeine withdrawal headache thing. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it, it took a, a while. Pot of coffee like, away. <laughs> exactly. A pot of coffee a, a day away. And <laughs> I battled that for about a week. Yeah. So right now we're, we're doing pretty good. I know what's giving you the energy though. What? Orthodoxy. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Ortho, you pumped over orthodoxy. Cannot wait. I, yes, the, 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 the name, the title, it does kind of send me in this. Oh, goody. But because of what orthodoxy is, yeah, that's shouting ground. It is. Could it be thrilling? Well, we're going to talk about that coming up in just a few moments. It is Don and Steve in the morning on Moody Radio. She brings the sparkle. He brings the chill. It's Dawn and Steve in the morning on Moody Radio. And we're glad that you were with us. Glad to be joined in studio by Trevin Wax. Trevin is Vice President of Research, Research and Resource Development at North American Mission Board. He's written a ton of books. Uh, he's one of my favorite bloggers. And uh, he has written a book that we're going to spend a little time unpacking this morning. And I think it's going to be a, a good conversation. So when you hear the title... Keep the radio right, right here, right? Do Don't turn away. This. The thrill of orthodoxy. Dun, dun, dun. And I'll admit, Trevin, when I hear the word orthodoxy, that's not the kind of thing where I go, oh, this is going to be exciting. So help us understand what is orthodoxy? Yeah, most people don't put thrill and orthodoxy together. <laughs> yeah. I recognize that. Um, no, the, the, the goal of this book was to show that the fundamental truths of the Christian faith, what it is that we say we believe— that when we really understand these truths, it is, it's really telling the story. It's the most exciting adventure of all time. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the goal of it. Um, I, I, I kind of, I'm inspired a bit by Dorothy Sayers. She was a British uh, writer, wrote you know, crime dramas and all sorts of stuff. But she, she talked about the Christian faith and she said, uh, you know, a lot of people back 100 years ago were saying that um, uh, the reason why churches are being emptied out is because pastors are just insisting on these dull dogmas. And she said, no, it's it's the opposite. It's the opposite. It's that they're neglecting the dogmas of Christianity because when you really understand what it is that we say we believe, God taking on flesh and coming to our world to save us, and to, then it's the most exciting adventure ever known to man. Like this is the... It's 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 thrilling not to adapt the Christian faith in order to better fit people, but to adapt people in order to better fit the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. That's where the real excitement and the adventure is. And so I know when you say orthodoxy, you think sounds like what you said. You're like your algebra book is going to make your heart beat faster. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I'm saying when you really understand what Christians everywhere for two thousand years have confessed and continue to believe, and then you realize how that connects you to Christians all around the world, even now, and to Christians. You know, from centuries ago, more than a thousand years ago, that you believe the same things, you confess the same Lord, you've encountered the same Jesus. That that really is where the excitement is. And so we can't neglect that. I, I can hear my grandpa. That thrill was one uh, yep. of the things that he used to say that he'd read the word and he'd be teaching it to us. And he'd say, that just thrills my soul. What have we allowed to come in and dull the thrill that should be there? Well, I think there's different ways that we can we can kind of mute that thrill or we get used to it. I mean, p- part of it for some of us who've grown up in the church is just over familiarity. Mm-hmm. You know, we just get we get really familiar with holy things, 
And familiarity is the enemy of wonder. You know, it's always it's the joke that people that live near the, the mountains go to the beach for vacation. People that live near the beaches go to the mountains for vacation. It's like it's almost like you get so used to the beauties around you that you start you stop noticing them and you almost have to leave. You have to change the scenery in order to come back and see the scene, you know, to really see what it is. And so uh, there's a sense in which for a lot of Christians, I think we just get over familiar, bored with things, with things that once moved us uh, no longer move us because we're just used to them. So that's one thing that can happen. I mean, other times it can be suffering, you yeah. know, sin can dull our hearts and our emotions. Um, sometimes people are just, un- people hear words like orthodoxy or dogma and they're, and, and they're unsettled by that. They're un- there are parts of Christian teaching that are hard. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the only way to God. You know, what Jesus says about sex and marriage or, you know, uh, what Jesus says about eternal judgment. I mean, there's, there are these aspects of orthodoxy that, that can be can be, you know, hard to swallow in our day and age. And so I think there are some people, the thrill of orthodoxy gets lost because they're just perpetually unsettled with some of the the faith. That first one that you mentioned there, I can think of certain seasons in my life where I've kind of struggled with that, that familiarity, the fact that, I mean, I, I grew up in the church, you know, got saved as a kid and went to all the things, the camps and the retreats and all the stuff, right? right? And so it can, at a time without the intentionality, kind of become dull. So for the person who is in that spot of saying, the thrill is gone, I'm familiar, I know the stuff, but the thrill isn't there anymore. How do you begin to reinvigorate our hearts again for the thrill of orthodoxy? Well, I mean, one of the things I would tell people is just, You've you've got you you you've got to uh, to find voices to you know, pastors, church leaders, writers, whoever that that show you old truths in a fresh way. Um, I'm hoping that Thrill of Orthodoxy does that, but I mean there are lots of other people like that. I mean that's one of the reasons people go back to C.S. Lewis or to Chesterton and others because it's a, they're taking this truth and they're they're showing it to you in a new way. So that's that's one way of just getting back into the Word and then and then hearing from voices and people that. Uh, that are helping you reinvigorate that that sense of thrill, like you said. Um, but I tell you, one of the best ways that I encourage people when they're wanting to recapture the thrill of orthodoxy is to teach it, to pass it mm. on, to share it. Because I, you know, it's it's kind of like when you're, you know, like when you're a parent and you, 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 uh, you, you really get a thrill out of watching an old movie or an old television show or or with your kids yeah. for the first time, like you're introducing something to them that really meant a lot to you or that you really love. It's like that with the gospel too. It's like that when you, you know, when you teach a kid's Sunday school class or when you like, it's like when you are are for the first time sharing the gospel and you're kind of hearing it afresh, like you're you're putting yourself in the mind of the people the person that you're talking to. Um, I mean, nothing helps you sort of recapture that wonder than reliving that experience again and being able to pass it on and to share it. So it's you know, it's it's I, I think I think that's one of the things we just get so inward focused sometimes. Mm-hmm. We're not outward focused into discipling others, whether it be our kids or whether it be, you know, um, uh, uh, through evangelism or whatever it might be, that we lose those opportunities to really dig down and to to to, to relive the thrill of what it was like once, you know, mm-hmm. when we first heard right. that mm-hmm. song or when we first discovered that truth. Oh, I keep hearing, may I never lose the wonder mm-hmm. of the cross, that song going back through my mind as we think about these truths that should stir our hearts. And if not, 
what do we do? We go back to the Lord and say, may I please not lose the wonder of what you've done for me and who you are. And you mentioned Chesterton, Chesterton, the works of Chesterton. And Chris, you texted this morning, thanks for that text, about a book on orthodoxy and how that really impacted your life. Appreciate you sharing that. As we're talking about the thrill of orthodoxy, a new book, Recovering the Adventure of Christian Faith with Trevin Wax. Trevin, it's an adventure, yes, but when we have looked at all of the different things that may have dulled the wonder, we've lost the adventure, and we've replaced it with other adventures that we think are going to fill that same gap, and yet that's not the truth. Steps back, steps back to get us to the wonder of the orthodoxy. We know prayer. Are there other steps that will help us focus in so that that joy might be restored in our you know, I think one of the things we have to do is you have to constantly be um, planting and uprooting, planting and uprooting. You see this in James, for example, where it talks about rid yourselves of evil and malice and things like that, but then also receive the implanted word that mm-hmm. God has placed in you. So so there's a sense in which if the garden gets full of weeds, you know, a, a lot of people, I think sometimes will look at God and they'll be like, I know, I just don't feel as close to God as I used to. Um, and I'm just waiting on God to to do something. And you know, I, I get I get that there's all sorts of reasons why we may go through dry seasons or yeah. dry spells. And this is this is common. You see it in the psalmist, you see it through mm-hmm. out the many saints throughout Christian history. So I don't think people need to heap false guilt upon themselves if they're not feeling that sense of wonder as they as they once did. But it's like a garden. I just I tell people, you know, you're you're not ultimately the spiritual life doesn't work with us simply just sort of, you know, wait waiting for 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 God to come and reignite our wonder. We've got to be moving in that direction, walking in that direction, doing things that will put us in the posture to receive that kind of wonder again. And so mm-hmm. that's what I mean with the with the garden. You want a beautiful spiritual garden, you've got to you've got to plant and you've got to weed and yeah. you've got to like clear things out, get rid of some distractions and and put some sins away. I would ask if we're willing to weed this morning as we think about the thrill of orthodoxy and what that means, rediscovering the adventure of the Christian faith. Our conversation with Trevin Wax, it's a blessing. You're welcome to join it, 800-555-7898 on Moody Radio. Rise and shine, it's Dawn and Steve time. Call or text 800-555-7898 to let us know how we can pray for you. Mm-hmm. And we're going to continue the conversation. You're welcome to as well. Same phone number as we're talking to Trevin Wax about the thrill of, I keep hearing organ music too, dun, 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 <laughs> orthodoxy, <laughs> as we talk about what that really means and following the Lord and truly the regeneration that he brings to our hearts and minds as we walk this side of eternity following him. You gave just moments ago this analogy that I'm like, Oh, I like that. It's a good word picture. It's about a garden. Sometimes you have to weed and plant new, replacing the weeds. But I wonder, Trevin, in our everyday life, how willing are we to take those weeds out? They're familiar. Sometimes they're comfortable. The flesh wants what it wants. How willing are we to weed? How does that impact morality? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, I mean, there's so much in our society now that's telling you that the weeds are a good part of the garden. Right. Like just yeah. let things just be natural and authentic. And that's your, you know, you being yourself, whatever that might be. And, you know, we we want friends around us who will tell us, you know, you know, even your warts are beautiful and that kind of thing. So, the, the, yeah, they can it's you're you're doing something countercultural when you are looking in your own heart and life and you're deciding, you know, Jesus says certain things have got to go. They've got to move on. 
You know, even in Christendom, this is happening. I know this doesn't come as a shock to you, but I was listening to a, kind of a, a Christian streaming the other day, and it was, you are enough. You are enough. And you're right. We want to tell one another, hey, you've got it, but we don't. Roman says we don't. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And I don't want people to, I, I think people labor under thinking that they've got to to, to to carry the heavy burden mm-hmm. of of being everything they're supposed to be, and I wanted to tell people, no, you're you're not enough, but Jesus is. Mm-hmm. That's what that's ultimately what we're what our message is. Um, and 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 it, we're not worthy because of something inherent in us. We're worthy because we're created by a God who loves us, and we're made in His image, and because Jesus has redeemed us. Like we, He 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 loved us while we were still sinners, not because we were so lovable. Um, so there is a there is a connection between morality and orthodoxy, and I it's one of the connections I make in the book is a lot of times I think we think of orthodoxy as just okay what are those beliefs I've got a what's that list of doctrines I need to check them all off mm-hmm. like, let me check off every box do I believe all the right things that's not really the way that the Bible talks about uh, um, what it is that we believe you know the, the, uh, the Peter and Paul both talk about obeying the gospel not just believing the gospel because there's a sense in which what you believe is is demonstrated in in how you live and so um I so I want people to ca- recapture there's an entire chapter devoted to recapturing the adventure of seeking Christ likeness of of you know weeding out the sins and uh, working out our salvation in fear and trembling, knowing that it's God the one who's wor- willing and working in us. Um, like there's a there's a real adventure in becoming who God made us to be, and I don't want us to miss that. I, I think a lot of times we 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 dull the the thrill of that moral orthodoxy because we're just kind of like, well, I guess it's you know I guess it's my job to sin, it's God's job to forgive. You know, like it's almost like we settle for a moral mediocrity. Mm-hmm. Rather yeah. than recognizing we are called to a moral majesty, I mean, the vision that God puts in the in the New Testament is thrilling. Yeah, yeah, and I think one of the reasons that sometimes we don't experience that is a word that you used a little bit ago, dogma, and we feel like Christianity is so dogmatic. It is so exclusive. It is so. Well, if you can't fit this little box that we perceive it to be, well, then it it it's not going to be socially acceptable and all of these things. So for the person who says, Trevin, I hear what you're saying, but I've got people I love whose belief systems and their behavior and their lifestyle and all of that doesn't match up with what I think you're going to say, whether it's gender identity or, you know, inclusivity in terms of who you love and all of these things that we see culture fighting about and wrestling with right now. How does orthodoxy and dogma fit into a culture that wants to be so inclusive? You know, one, a couple of ways. I mean, one 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 thing that I when you talk about inclusive and exclusive, I think uh, it's important for us to realize that Christianity is both and very much so. Uh, there is an inclusive vision at the heart of Christianity. Jesus was always getting into trouble with eating with the wrong kinds of people, mm-hmm. and he was yeah. taking off the religious <laughs> leaders. And uh, there is definitely a, an inclusivity to Christianity. It's one of the reasons he got crucified. At the same time, he's saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Peter says there's no other name under heaven by which people can be saved. So and you look at the Roman Empire, what really—the Roman Empire would have been fine with, you know— a an exclusive little Jewish sect that had their own, you know, well, they just do their own thing. 
And they would have been fine if they had been totally inclusive and just added Jesus to the pantheon of deities. What blew up the old Roman religions, what was the explosion that ignited in the early church was the fact that you had Christians who were radically exclusive saying Jesus is the way and radically inclusive saying he's the way for everybody and calling everybody to repentance and faith. That is that that explosive combination of inclusivity and exclusivity that blew up the old Roman religions and yeah. really led to the world that we now live in. That's the thrill of orthodoxy. If you go just with exclusivity, you become a cult. Mm-hmm. If you go just with inclusivity, you wind up uh, um, uh, narrowing the faith and saying, well, Jesus may be for me, but he's not really for you. Wow. Trevin Wax with us. He's written the book, The Thrill of Orthodoxy, and we're going to continue this conversation in just a few moments. If you want to join it, feel free to call or text 800-555-7898. That's 800-555-7898. Have you subscribed yet? Jump on over to youtube.com forward slash at Dawn and Steve for some great interviews from Dawn and Steve in the morning. Today, Mark Gregston's video dropped of Heartlight Ministries. Don't forget to click that like and subscribe button. Well, we hope you'll do that. Right now, we're talking with Trevin Wax. Trevin is Vice President of Research and Resource Development at the North American Mission Board, missionary professor, uh, the Gospel Coalition columnist. But talking about orthodoxy this morning, and uh, Trevin, uh, you, in thinking about orthodoxy, have uh, this uh, interesting analogy having to do with air conditioning. Yeah, you know, one of the the things I think people think about today when they talk about religion is they think um, I, religion is something that's personal. It's yeah. something that's private. It's something that you can kind of tailor. A lot of people will cobble together their own spiritual practices or spiritual beliefs and just kind of whatever works for you. And people think of religion like that, you know, just like whatever works for you and helps you have a better life. That's great. Um, and that's I think that's where a lot of people think it's exciting to kind of craft your own personal faith and you it's on your terms and you're kind of the one who's who's in control and i compare that to to living in, it's like being enamored or excited about the thermostat in your house you know you kind of put the the temperature on the comfort that you the comfort level you like you tailor everything in your house now with all these smart apps and the yep. apps and everything <laughs> yeah. you know, like smart uh, uh air conditioning units i mean you could basically tailor your religion just like you can tailor the comfort of your house to a particular thing. But I think actually orthodoxy is more like the weather. Christian, The Christian faith is more like the weather. We don't say my weather or your weather. Now you may have preferences. You may like, you know, a soft rain. You may like a, a really sunny spring morning. You might, you know, you might like snowfall. I mean, you might like aspects of the weather, but nobody says my weather and your weather. It's just the weather and you've got to deal with it. And you leave the house and you leave the comforts of that air-conditioned environment, you've, you better, you know, if it's cold, you better suit up, you know. Orthodoxy is like that. It's much more exciting. It's not something that comes from within yourself. It's something that you discover that comes from outside yourself that you have to deal with. And so the Christian faith is a lot like that. It's more, it's a, it's a religion of, of discovering truth that's outside of yourself. It's not something you're inventing, you know, that you're, you're making for yourself. That there's that old Rich Mullen song, uh, um, uh, creed that talks about how uh, um, I did not make it; it is making me. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's what we're. That's the excitement of orthodoxy is when you realize it's something outside the confines of your of your own personal preferences and and outside of the caverns of your own heart. It's something that's there. It's wild sometimes that you have to you have to to deal with as you as you walk outside into a glorious world of wonders. Trevin, as you think about what Christ has done and 
operating within orthodoxy that he's given us in his word and leads us by the power of his spirit, it seems that there would be more freedom doing it his way as opposed to all of the things when we're trying to cobble together our own religion and the, all the taxation, honestly, that that brings to your heart and life spiritually. Yeah, that's the paradox, actually, is that we think we're freer when we build our own religion. But your religion is cramped and narrow because it's 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 based only in the confines of your own heart. It's when you actually, I mean, this is, again, going back to something that James talks about. He talks about the perfect law of freedom. Now, in our day and age, we don't think of freedom and law as going together. Right. But laws actually make possible freedom. Laws are what's there. You know, Chesterton has a great analogy of of these little children that were playing just wonderfully without a second th- without another thought in the world in this playground and uh and it was a fenced in playground but someone said tear down those fences so that the kids can can really f- f- uh, uh, be free and roam around and whatnot. But there were some dangerous cliffs around there and when they tore down the fences instead of the children playing and roaming around freely, they were all huddled up in the middle of the playground because they were actually afraid because the the, the laws were gone. The fences had been torn down. And so there's a sense in which the laws of Jesus are there to give us freedom. They're yeah. there to actually maximize our possibility of of enjoying life. Jesus isn't isn't coming to us with a, an arbitrary list of rules and regulations saying, you just got to follow all these things to show me that you love me. No, what Jesus is saying is, I'm giving you the way of life. Follow these. This is for your good. You see this in the psalmist. You see this in the Proverbs. You see this in the Old Testament. All throughout, the law of the Lord is good. It's for our it's for our joy. And so that's one of the aspects of freedom and and that and and, and one of the aspects of orthodoxy. I think we've got to recover if we're going to truly understand what it means to live the Christian life. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That's right. Scripture reminds us. One of the tools that helps us rediscover the thrill of of orthodoxy is Trevin Wax's new book, and that's exactly the title, The Thrill of Orthodoxy, Rediscovering the Adventure of Christian Faith. Encouraging to you, connecting you to this through our Facebook page. It is Don and Steve in the morning. That's how you find us on Facebook. So grateful you are here for this conversation on Moody Radio.